0: It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story.
1: Folks, we have uh, a great guest for you today. This is uh, this is probably my best friend in Christian radio broadcasting. I have so much in common with him, and I love Stu Epperson Jr., the president of Truth Broadcasting Network, a headquartered there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And he has written another fantastic book. Uh, Stu, welcome to the broadcast.
2: Hey, Rich, it's an honor to be on with you, my friend. I guess you could consider the two of us as sons of the pioneers <laughs> in this Christian radio well, world. We- and It's a treat. Every time I get to talk to you and your dad, it's awesome.
1: We don't sing, but but we we love that uh, pioneering heritage that both of us share uh, in following in our Father's footsteps in in advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ over the radio and through the the, the new technologies that have come along with it. Stu Epperson, Jr. has written a book. In fact, uh, about a year ago or so, you wrote a book about Easter time called The Last Words of Jesus, and now, just in time for Christmas the first words of Jesus, from the cradle to the cross. So tell us about this, Stu. How, how did you get the idea for this, and how did one kind of springboard into the other?
2: Well, the idea came quite organically, Rich. I was writing the last, my first book, Last Words of Jesus, and I was putting the final touches on it. The manuscript was due, the publisher's calling, we got to have it all, Stu, make the final changes. Well, it's this time of year, it's Christmas time. And I'm, here I am finishing up a cross centered book at Christmas time. Right. Well, and, let's. I'm at my kids'. Uh,
1: let's review that for a minute. Now, the last words yes. of Jesus on the cross. There were like seven uh, statements, weren't there? Now, review those with us real quickly to kind of get the, the sense of where we're going.
2: Yes, sir. One, seven beautiful statements of Christ as he died on the cross. Of course, they weren't his last words, technically, because he came out of that grave and he's mm. coming again. And then he gave but us the Great Commission. Evening. That's right, yes, sir. And these are these are his dying words that he gave as he, as he died. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The, his his beautiful word of pardon to the thief, which was, uh, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. And then the 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 brilliant thing he said to his mom and to the disciple John. You know, woman, behold thy son. Disciple, behold thy mother. And then the statement of total abandonment and darkness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?
1: And I then, thirst. Uh, yep so so these last statements of Jesus on the cross but but it began with the first words of Jesus right and, and so when I when I saw the title of the book I had to stop and think well what were the first words of Jesus? And, uh, and you, you, you uh, point this out in the book, but the, it's, the whole book is just wonderful. Let me read a couple of, couple of things here, if I can, because you got uh, Dr. David Jeremiah to do the foreword, and, and Dr. Jeremiah says, "...Stu Epperson brings the detail and accuracy of a scholar, and the enthusiasm and passion of someone fascinated by the intricacies and the, and beautifully woven threads that lead ultimately to the cross." and then Jesus' Resurrections. So this book is about the first words of Jesus. Tell us about that.
2: Oh, no, and it's a great question. And I kind of, you know, on the surface, it looks like I got my books out of order here, and maybe that's, you know, I don't always get things perfect. I'm a basketball player. It's a simple book. We try to do things very simple for people to understand, especially myself, you know. And so I'm writing this, I'm finishing this book about the cross, Last Words of Jesus, and it's Christmas time, and I'm I'm confronted with all these carols and hymns at my kids Christmas pageant. Rich, I grab one of those foreign objects that we don't sing from very often <laughs> anymore that hymnal. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, the Great Hymnal Heist.
2: The Great Hymnal Heist. So I grabbed one out of the pew in front of me and I and and I'm again, my mind is on the cross, my mind is on these powerful words of Jesus, it is finished, these words of the cross because I'm finishing up that book and I started to see the cross in a new light in the in the in the light of the cradle. And the Lord just burned on my heart. Write a book that connects the cradle to the cross. And the title, I didn't have the title there at the time. In fact, a lot of folks joked with me and said, Hey, is your next book going to be First Words of Jesus? Because your first book was Last Words. I thought, Well, that's a good idea, but I don't know that it fits. Well, when I started to look at the first words of Jesus, the first actual recorded words of Christ, I mean, clearly he spoke words, you know, before he was 12 years old, but the only words we have from Jesus, in fact, the only real narrative we have, of specific detail of Christ's life in, his three of, you know, in the three decades before his public ministry, were found in Luke chapter two, verse forty-nine, where he's in the temple and, he, and he, his parents are looking for him frantically. They're in the clamor, just like at Christmas time, crazy anxiety, going here and there trying to find. It's one thing when you lose. It's one thing when you lose a set of car keys or you lose a CD or a coat, but it's another thing when you lose a kid, and it's even worse when you lose the one who was sent to save the lost, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so his words come out of that kind of, that beautiful story in Luke 2, and the, there are two questions. Why are you looking for me? The one who said, follow me, all of his ministry is saying, why are you following me? Why are you seeking me? And the second question, don't you know that I must be about my Father's business?
1: And those are the first recorded words that we have from Jesus. What's the significance of that?
2: Well, the first the, the, of those two. Well, it's significant that he asked questions because he's doing that throughout his whole ministry. The, Luke, the verse prior to that, in, in, in a couple of verses prior to that in Luke, to talk about how he's asking questions of the of the teachers. It says that they were all in awe. They were all in awe of him and his wisdom. You know, just at that at that at that young age. The first question really speaks to why do you seek Jesus? You know, why, why, and I talk, I talk in the book about why do, you, why do we celebrate Christmas? Is it the lights? Is it the travel? Is it the, the vacation, the day off work? Is it the food, the, the, the festivities, the music? Why do we seek Jesus? What does he have to do with everything? The second question really speaks to his mission. Why did he come? Why was he born on that Christmas night? And what was his mission and when you discover, when you go deeper, you peel the layer back and you go deeper into the mission of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. You find out there's a cross, mm. there's a, an instrument of execution looming just a few decades out in his future.
1: These are great questions to ask, especially at this time of the year. I don't know about where you live, but uh, right after Thanksgiving, the shopping malls were packed. People were going about getting their Christmas shopping done and uh, starting early. I'm, I'm not really an early shopper, but this book is just tremendous, and it's an opportunity to witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ, especially at this time of the year, Doctor Jeremiah says Stu Epperson also gives us an unfiltered, honest look at how Christmas is a very difficult time of the year for so many. It really is, isn't it, Stu?
2: It is tough, and, and that's one thing about this book. I'll tell you, and and I don't hold any I don't hold any punches. It's a really clear look into the real rough, barbaric. Real uncensored Christmas night. That first Christmas night was rough. You got a lady in a crisis pregnancy. You got a, a trip. She's nine months pregnant and she's on the on the, on the back of a beast of burden, traveling over seventy miles through some rough territory, only to get you know they get they finally get to their destination and there's no room here. See you know no room in the end. and they and then they kind of go into this manure filled, smelling, saliva encrusted you know manger, a cattle trough with all these animals. So we we glamorize it, and so what I try to do is give people a real picture of what this is, and I try to also get into the the elephant in the room that we don't talk about at Christmas, and that is the pain of Christmas. Chapter four, I talk about the dark side of Christmas. Rich, can you imagine mass funerals, little baby coffins lining the streets of Bethlehem? Because that's exactly what happened shortly after Christ was, was born in the, mm. And you know, of course, he he fled. The angel came in the dream to it's Joseph. The said, slaughter
1: you know, of the innocents.
2: Yes, sir. And so Rachel weeping for her children. This was dark. I mean, this was imagine the pain. I mean, losing a child at that age, being just thrust through with a sword at, in, the, in Christmas time. That's not what we. That's not a. What does that have to do with all the the? Have yourself a merry little Christmas, you know, that we sing and that we go on about. So there's a real. There's a real dark side, in the, but the, the beauty of the Savior is he was born to die so that we could be reborn and live. Mm. So the one person, the one young boy, two and under, that escaped Bethlehem that morning, that Christmas day, that Christmas time, Okay, the one escapee was that refugee, Jesus Christ, who would come back. And just like Bethlehem is outside of Jerusalem, he would come back outside the gate, gate like Hebrews talks about, and he would bear the pain and the wounds. He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him, Mm. and by his stripes we would be healed as he would go to a cross to bear the pain of all those that were in that bloodbath in Bethlehem from Herod, and from all the pain. Mm. Think about all the pain that people go through who've lost children. People listening are struggling with cancer. People are listening are in prison. They have family that can't come home for Christmas. We have troops that are fighting. I just got an email this morning. Nine of our Marines just, just died, like yesterday, in Afghanistan, fighting for us so we can have freedom, so we can do these kind of radio interviews. Jesus Christ feels that pain, and that's why he came in the cradle to go to that cross, to carry our burdens that we can't carry.
1: Hmm. You know, at this time of the year, too, when uh, it's so much about family, a lot of people feel very lonely. And uh, so yeah. I want to read a little bit here because uh, of something that you say in the book. Because of his divine nature, we know that his first words were not mine or no. We also know that it wasn't until Jesus was 12 that he, we heard his first recorded words, like we talked about, and it's, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? These you say here that these two cor- these two questions are the cornerstone of this book, and each chapter will journey through the Christmas narrative, tethering every event and character of Christmas to Jesus, and his foundational first words, which were, "Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He is, after all, the essence." Of Christmas and Life. And I'm so glad we had an opportunity to talk to you about this book early in the Christmas season, so that people may order it and give it to friends and loved ones. How can people get a copy of this book?
2: Thanks for asking. It's the, the title of the book, First Words of Jesus. There's a website we set up, firstwordsofjesus.com. It's in bookstores. It's There's a cool music album. You can download it at iTunes. And, and Rich, I've been telling people, this sounds a little crazy, but I've been telling people that are in my Holy Huddle, with my Christian friends, I've been saying, "Hey, this book is not for you." <laughs> yes, I want you to get it. Yes, I want you to read it. But this book is for you to share with someone who is searching, who is maybe they've not, maybe they're not ready for church yet. They're not ready for the stained glass and the ushers and the pews, they, and they're just looking for for something. In this time of year, it's it's ever in front of them. It's all over. Even secular retailers are playing this these rich Christmas hymns. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping people will get First Words of Jesus. Jesus dot is a website from the cradle to the cross, and give it to someone or bless some people. Maybe pastors want to give it Christmas days on a Sunday this year. That's going to be interesting, isn't it, Rich? What do you think <laughs> about that?
1: <Yes>. So, <laughs> so how can they get it?
2: FirstWordsOfJesus.com dot com is the website that's got all the information on you know for online, but you could also get it at your you know your Lifeway Christian Bookstores, independent Christian bookstores, I believe Barnes and Noble's, Books a Million, other book, where books are sold. And if they don't have it, tell them they need to carry this thing. You know, that's what's exciting about Hopefully people, this time of year, people are more tender to the things of God. So let's seize the moment, and let's all be missionaries and share the good news of why he really came, why we really celebrate.
1: It's a delightful book. It's a convenient size. It's about 175 uh, pages long, something like this. And it's filled with uh, really meaningful um, poetry and and other unique aspects about the life of Jesus and about Christmas in particular. I want to read this one poem that caught my eye. "'Twas the day after Christmas." "'Twas the day after Christmas and all through the world. The shepherds were spreading his glorious word, good news of the Savior in the fullness of time, born in a manger to redeem mankind. The Prince of Heaven would go to the cross to purchase salvation and ransom the lost. Alive from the grave, the King would emerge. In victorious power, he'll one day return." This is uh, th- this book is filled with wonderful um, uh, stories and poems and uh, uh, insights into the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, because that was his mission. What would you add to this, Stu? Tell us more about your book.
2: Well, I, I would encourage people. You know, we, we uh, when I sign this book, and when I sign a, when I actually get together with you and sign a copy to you, Rich and Uncle Dick. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll sign the word "Merry Christmas," but I'll I'll make much of that cross that shows up kind of in the middle of the word "Christmas," and I'll draw an under I'll underline it, you know, and I'll point to it. And I think when we look at the Christmas tree, we need to remember on another tree, uh, uh, the Son of God bore the sins of mankind. On another tree, He was the ornament, see, that hung there naked and shamed and wounded and bleeding so that we could be clothed, so that we could be whole, so that we could have peace. And that's why that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why it's not like that, that poem you just read that, that the Lord put on my heart to, to open up chapter 7 towards the day after Christmas. That's why Christmas, hey, to the consumer, Christmas Day is the end. To the believer, Christmas Day is only the beginning. Because we're going to go tell it on the mountain. Yes, yes. Jesus Let's... Christ was born so we could be reborn, so we could have life. He came to have, give us life that we might have it, life, we might have it more abundantly.
1: Yes, it's because the, he came for a purpose. And one of your chapters is a purpose-driven Christmas. That's kind of neat. Mike Huckabee, Governor Mike Huckabee, said, Stu Epperson's first words of Jesus gives us a thought-provoking and engaging look at how that simple and miraculous Christmas connects to the Resurrection how the cradle is connected to the cross. I highly recommend it. Governor Mike Huckabee. I'm going to ask our producer if he'll play this. Um, you know, you're from North Carolina. Our good friend Elizabeth Edens was here in Kansas City, and then she relocated to the Charlotte area, so she's there in North Carolina. But she recorded this. It's called Twas the Night Before Jesus Came.
3: Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And dad in the rocker with baby on his lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here, with a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he had said, and though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life, which he held in his hand, was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. When he said, it's not here, my head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I'd waited too long, and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only, if only I'd been ready that night. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life. And when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all.
1: The Bible is true after all. And that's why it's so important, especially at this time of the year, isn't it, Stu?
2: Amen. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God that reveals to us everything we need uh, to know about who He is, why He came. And it really is one of those books that it will change our life forever if we just can get get into it and make, make it central to everything, especially this time of year at Christmas.
1: Stu, you and your wife, Julie, have such a beautiful Christian family. How many children do you have?
2: We have four, four girls, Hope, Grace, Joy, and Faith. And, and... we have a—I I, I, I tell everyone we, have, we just had a son, you know, a few months ago, because Hope married a fine Christian young man named Harrison— and they live out at, in, in uh, Santa Clarita, California. They go to uh, Grace uh, John MacArthur's college, the Master's College.
1: Uh, you went to the Master's College, too, I remember. I did, yes, sir. That's so, neat. Now, tell me some of the—because I know your kids are involved in Scripture memory and, and have a love for the Word of God, but tell us some of the fun and unique uh, and meaningful Christmas traditions that you have in your
2: house. No, thanks for asking. Some of those are in the book, uh, Rich. We talk about the— the Moravians settled Old Salem. I think I've uh, blessed you with some of their cookies before. Fabulous. But they fled Europe, uh, religious persecution, and they've settled uh, our city in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So anyone that comes, comes come visit us, we'll take you around. But we go to the home Moravian love feast every year on Christmas Eve. They have a beautiful Christmas Eve ser- service. I talk about the, that particular service in Chapter, chapter 4 of my book. So that's a just a wonderful tradition. A lot of singing. Our church, you know. Of course, we go to all the church programs. And I, Rich, I have been, I have been consuming a diet of Christmas music and Christmas sermons for almost three years straight now. I mean, like every day. And so, <laughs> so that's why I just I love it. it. But 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 I've discovered that it is not we bifurcate it to one time of the year, but it really is a. Uh, it really is a, a life of, of giving. You know, we always say, "Well, Christmas is the reason for the season and the reason for all year round." Well, that's true. That is true. So, give someone a gift in July and, and give them a hug and say Merry Christmas. You know, and and by all means, give someone a gift at Christmas time that's your enemy or that you know. Rich, when Julie and I get together, we say, "Hey, who are we going to give gifts for this year?" Well, it's usually, "Well, who did, the Smiths?" Well, did they give gifts for it? Did we exchange <laughs> gifts with them last year? I don't care. Go <laughs> get someone a gift who you otherwise would never get a gift for, and, and, and spend money, and don't expect anything back, because this is exactly what God's grace did to me. I was running the other way, and He came after me in love, in Christ. He sent His Son into the lowliest manger, into this rough earth, this mess, in order to bring me to salvation, to glory. And that's the beautiful beauty of giving. So that's what this, this season really engenders, and it really is a It's really a life of giving, isn't
1: it? It is, it is. And this book really is uh, out of the overflow of your heart. And uh, I was just thinking as you were talking, isn't it wonderful to be involved in Christian broadcasting, where we get to broadcast the message of Jesus 365 days a year? And on Leap Year, it's 366 days. But it's the Christmas message, that Jesus came to earth for a purpose to live a perfect sinless life, to die on Calvary for our sins, to be resurrected and ascended, and he's coming back for us one day. You know, this book, The First Words of Jesus, I, just thumbing through it, I see you have, you have the first words of some other people as well. For instance, the first words of Mary, the first words of Joseph, the first words of the wise men. Tell us about some of the first words of these other characters in the Christmas story.
2: You know, my favorite is the first words of Joseph. You have it in the last verse of Matthew chapter 1, and it's not words plural, it's word singular. The only thing we have from this, this noble young carpenter who gets a vision from the angel and discovers that he's going to be the stepdad to the to the king of kings, the only word we have, it says, "and and he called his name. It says, she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So that's the only spoken, that's the only recorded word we have. Now we know he said a whole lot more, but that's the only recorded word. Wouldn't that be great, Rich, that the one word that ever came out of my lips or that was recorded was the name Jesus? What a beautiful thing, huh? The name above all names.
1: <laughs> what, what better to be known for than that? But now tell us of the wise men. What did they say?
2: Well, the wise men were just just remarkable. I mean, the you know first thing, that, of course, they said to Herod is is tell you know tell us where is he born, king of the Jews. We have seen his star, and we have come to worship him. And so those were their first words. They came for a specific agenda to worship Jesus. They had they had they had choreographed their entire life, their entire goals, their bucket list, if you'll have it. Everything about them was arranged around going. And it says, in, later in Matthew 2, it says they knelt. These great sages, these great kingmakers from Persia, very likely, bowed their knee to the king of kings, see? And the gifts they gave, and we don't have time to go into all of them, but those three gifts are beautiful pictures of connecting the cradle to the cross. And I go into detail, in fact, I wrote a poem called Treasure of the Cradle, Treasure of the Cross, that goes into detail of what each of those gifts meant and how those gifts tell us these were the wisest Christmas shoppers ever. Really, really brilliant. I love One of my favorite chapters to write was chapter 5, you know, the story of the wise men. I opened the chapter by saying, hey, if you went Christmas shopping for Jesus Christ, what would you buy them? <laughs>
1: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, my goodness. Hey, listen, now, uh, Stu, uh, Stu Epperson, Jr. is my guest on The Complete Story. This is Rich Bott, and we're just thrilled to have a chance to visit uh, together like this on the radio. Uh, but, Stu, our, our producer, Ken Monroe, recorded a beautiful uh, version of the, the narration of the Christmas story, and I'd like to share that with our listeners right now.
0: And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them.
1: Amen. Amen. That's the story of Christmas. That's what we celebrate at this special time of the year. Uh, Stu Epperson, Jr. is our guest on the Complete Story broadcast. He's written a book, The First Words of Jesus, From the Cradle to the Cross. And Stu, tell us once again where people can get this book.
2: Yeah, thanks. FirstWordsOfJesus.com is our main website with all the information. And then there's bookstores have it in A lot of great outlets, you know, just ask for first words of Jesus. It should be in the inspirational section, but it's it's a Christmas book that goes a little bit deeper into what Jesus said and why His mission changes everything, and really how to know Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you have no mission, you have no point, no purpose, no peace. And that's why I wrote this, because when you connect with Jesus Christ, not just the baby, but the man on Calvary, everything changes.
1: All right. FirstWordsOfJesus.com of First words dot com. Thank you, Stu Epperson. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for sharing with us today on the complete story. This is Rich Bott. Merry Christmas, everyone.